0: Good morning, everybody. All right, look at that. I got my mask off without tearing off my mic. It's off to a good start already. Hey, you know, I uh, told the first service, you know, we've become aware of the fact that we actually have a group of people who get together every Sunday and watch our services, participate in our services with us from St. Augustine, Florida. So is there, so, so I, I'm i actually will be serving them in January and February, so, and I'll be down there, and we'll just, no, I'm only kidding. But uh, it's pretty cool the way things are just spreading out across the world, and, and it's a neat thing, and um, you know, sometimes there's some great stuff that happens at Hope Chapel, and you just don't know about it. So one of the things I'd like to share with you, in case you're not aware of it, is that yesterday, um, we put together and distributed to, I think, 38 different families all the stuff that they needed for a Thanksgiving meal. Turkey, all the stuff that went with it, and the pie, and the whole nine yards. So, and it's all because of your faithful giving, just flowing into the ways that we can minister and reach out to people. So it's great stuff. And in fact, we would have done more, we just ran out of names. So that's a great thing to see happen, and our deacons took the lead on that, and it's really pretty pretty cool to, to experience as, as well as a part of that. did want to say one thing about the wheat ministry that we're going to be doing tomorrow night over in Clinton. Um, if you're not signed up yet, I believe they've kind of reached their level. That doesn't mean you can't go, but we need to reach out to them tomorrow. I don't know if, usually we'd say more the merrier, right, but... I think this year, because of COVID, they may want to just make sure they just have what they need. So we need to reach out to them to make sure that we're not at overflow. We, we turn out often to be the, kind of like the, the backbone of their labor force for that night. So, um, so if you still want to go, just check in with us tomorrow, and we'll try to figure that out, whether or not there's still room for people to get in on the service. Um, anyways, so I, we're going to be in Book of Colossians again today. I want to do a little bit of review and also advance us into the text we're going to look at today. But I'm going to bring out some props that I've brought to help with me with that. So let me grab these. Oops, sorry. turn my mic away from the thing. This was interesting in the first service where they were trying to follow me along with a camera. And I'm sure that sounded great online. So, so I have several pieces of my favorite clothing with me. So this is a hoodie that I got when I was a junior in high school. So that would be 1978. So that makes this shirt, what, this thing, 42 years old, right, working on 43, because I got it in the spring. And uh, so you could tell I wore it a lot, especially in high school and, and, and in college. And it's it shows the mark, there's a few holes, some wear spots, et cetera. Has some sentimental value to me, because, um, and the year I got this was the first year um, that our school had won a state championship in any sport, and it was a lacrosse team that I was on. And so we, we keep it around, and I occasionally wear it because it doesn't look anywhere close to new, right? So, And I brought something else with me as a part of this. So this is a pair of work shorts that I got, and I bought these the summer that we built this building in 2005. Yes, you're thinking it's a miracle he can still fit into them, but yes, I I still wear them. The majority of their wear and tear has come, not only building the building in 2005, but on all the Builders for Christ mission trips that we've been on. I've taken them with me on every single one of those that I've gone to be a part of, and they kind of show it, right? Believe it or not, these are clean, right? Now, if my grandmother was still alive, who was raising a family in the Great Depression, she would spend 30 months with less oil, getting all this stuff out, right? Try to make them look as good as she can, right? So, on this side, I have a bit of an indulgence. A couple of years ago, Men's Warehouse was having a sale on custom tailored suits. So you went in and you got the you got they would literally just measure you out and um, and then tailor a suit specifically to you. So you got to pick your colors. You got to pick your linings. I was really tempted to go with the New England Patriots on the inside, but I was thinking I probably couldn't wear it at a funeral. So I went with some, a little tamer. Tamer, And what's really cool is, is it's got my name on the inside, custom tailored for Neil Davidson, right? So, and, um, and it still fits. And it, boy, and I, they, I like wearing this. So, so why in the world am I telling this to you? Why am I I showing you my old clothes and my custom-tailored suit? It really is very much connected to what we're experiencing and what God's trying to teach us from the book of Colossians. And because what the Apostle Paul would tell us is that without Christ, these are the only clothes that we have to wear into the presence of Christ, into the presence of God for eternity. And guess what? They don't pass muster. You get to the door, and if all you're wearing is a dirty pair of old work shorts and a 42-year-old hoodie that's got things that can say, sorry, you can't go into the presence of the King of Kings. And no matter how hard we scrub and try and how much we try to wash them, there's no way we're ever going to get them to look like new and like they belong in the presence of God. What Paul affirms to us, though, is that God has stepped into human history, and guess what? God has given us, in Jesus, a custom-tailored suit, right? He's given us something that we can proudly wear into the presence of God and have absolutely no reason to feel underdressed, right? We put on our custom-tailored suit, or attire. Let me make it more inclusive for our, 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 our genders, right? We, we put on our custom-tailored Jesus suit. We, 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 are, we are dressed to the hill to be able to walk into God's presence and spend all of eternity, right? So he said, this is what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. He's taken it where you don't need the old clothes anymore. You can get rid of those, Because God has given you a brand new set of clothing in Jesus Christ. But there was something going on in the church in Colossae that had Paul concerned. There There were those who were coming into the church now and saying, you know, that custom sailor suit, it looks good, but we can make it better. In fact, you need to make it better. If you're gonna say, if you're gonna be able to really stand in God's presence, if you're gonna be, so they come come and say, you know what, you you uh, these pants, they shouldn't be flat front, they need they need pleats, right? So we we've got to change them, right? Or these trousers, that they ought to have cuffs on them, and what you had was people from the Jewish background, who are coming in saying, yeah, you know, this faith in Jesus stuff, great. The new suit is great. i got to tell you, you need to change the way you wear it. You need to be observing the Sabbath. You need to be following all the reg- dietary regulations. You need to be celebrating the new moons. You need to be doing all the festivals. That's the only way you can wear this suit appropriately in order to be in the God's presence. And so, and so they're coming and say, the new suit's good, but you have to make it better which you can't, in order to be in God's presence. Then there was another group that was coming in, and these were the people who were coming out of the Greek world saying, yeah, your your custom suit is nice, but we know how you can wear it better. You know what the the trick is? See, we've learned this. we've, We've gotten to Jesus, but we've gone beyond Jesus, and we know that the coolest thing to do in God's presence is to wear your jacket inside out, because then your name shows. Right? And and so, you, you know, this is something you need to, and so to say, we, 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 yeah, the suit's nice, but we know how to make it better by the way you wear it. Right? You know what? If you just wear your underpants on the outside of your trousers, it'll look better. You know, I, and I'm being a little bit facetious, but but this is what people were coming in and saying. They said, the perfect suit is perfect, but we can make it more perfect. And you can't make perfect more perfect. Right? When we mess around with perfection, all we do is make it imperfect. We're going to land up taking these clothes that God's given us in Jesus Christ, this custom-tailored suit, right? And we're going to start... If we mess around with it, next thing you know, they're going to look like these. And we're not going to be fit to be in God's presence. And so we need to just put on the new suit through faith in Jesus Christ... And we are are properly attired to spend eternity in the presence of God. That's what he's been talking to us about in the beginning of chapter 3 of Colossians. I'd love for you to grab a Bible, if you have one with you, and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Some of you are using an app on your phone. That's perfectly fine. There's a guest Wi-Fi if you need it. Uh, I believe the password is Choxit. They like the name of the road that we're on. And that's available to you to use. Um, And... And in Colossians chapter 3, he's saying, hey, you know what? God has stepped into the world, and he's made it possible for you to take all those old clothes, man, and you can get rid of them, right? You can throw them on the burn pile, right? Just put them on your fire pit. You can burn them up. It's gone, right? And he talks to us about that in verse 5 and forward. He says, you know what? Go ahead and put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. And he runs through sexual immorality impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, idolatry, right? And he moves down a little further into verse 8. He says, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language, lying, right? He says, take all that stuff, just put it on the burn pile, take these old clothes and just burn them up because you don't need these anymore because God's giving you something brand new in Jesus Christ. So he says, take your custom-tailored suit and put it on. Look at, verse, look at verse 12 and 4. It says, therefore, as chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, like God loved giving you this new suit, right? This new attire, this wardrobe that you can wear in his presence for eternity. He's loved doing this. So put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and bear with one another and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, forgive other people. Right? Put on love above all things, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ right, rule your hearts and be thankful. Right? He said, man, you got the new suit? Wear it. And wear it well. Right, That's what he's begging us to do. He says, don't try to mess with it. Don't try to start putting cuffs on the trousers or pleats in or wearing your jacket inside out. He says, just take what God's given you and wear it because it's perfect. And in it, you belong in the presence of God, and that's exactly where you're at. But in verse 18, he gets very practical. He says, you know what? If you're going to wear this new suit, it's going to change the way you relate to those who are closest to you in your life. If, if, His gist is God's given us a brand new suit of clothes to wear, and with that, it's going to renovate The outfit that we wear with our families, in our marriages, and he's going to bring in the idea of a household. In fact, there's a theologian who was by the name of Moulton who once said, You know what? If you think you have Christian thinking, Christian thinking, Christian way of doing life, of wearing a suit, hasn't really become Christian until it changes the way that you relate to those who are closest to you. That's what he talks about in verses 18 down through verse 1 of chapter 4. And that's where we're going to focus today. Next week we're going to wrap up the book of Colossians. But what I want to talk to us about today is God's given us a new suit to wear. So what does that suit look like when we're doing life with those who are closest to us? Follow along as I read these words. And I'm going to hide just a little bit in case anybody's going to throw anything at me. Wives, submit, right, yourselves to your husband as it's fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter towards them. Children, any kids here? Obey your parents. I don't hear any applauses or amens from the kids. Right, Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Slaves? Slaves. Believe it or not, every household virtually in the ancient world had slaves. So a part of your home would have been not just a relationship between a husband and wife, between a parent and a child, It would be between a master and a slave. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart. as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. See, you're serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and therefore there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Now, I really sense that there's a need for us to kind of back up a little bit and, and kind of, let's, let's get the debris off of the playing field, right, so we can really see what it is that God's asking us to do. Because we, we read a passage like this, and in all of us, there's this natural instinct that clicks up from the 21st century perspective to say, wow, wh- wh- where's the condemnation of slavery, right? Well, wh- why is he giving instruction? Why isn't he just condemning it? Right? Why isn't God, through the Apostle Paul, just condemning it? Where's the gender equality? Right? You know, where's the gender equality in there? Why is he saying what? You know, wives have to submit to husbands, and the, so that just doesn't seem right to us. Right? So we look at it, and and we and we want to argue with the text. Like, you, here was a golden opportunity, right, for you to say that that. That there is no such thing as a, a gender inequality. We're all equal, right? There's a, here's a wonderful place for you just to repudiate once for all slavery, and you didn't do it. Why didn't you do it, right? And so we have these arguments with it, and and you know um, this is one of those things where where this, you know this is where the outside world often wants to argue with the scriptures when it uses this term like wives submit to your husbands, right? So. Let me First of all, let me just kind of give a little perspective on where we're coming from and what's going on here and how it works its way out. And then we'll move ourselves, if you will, into the value that we can extract for us related to our primary relationships in the home. Um, The ancient world in the first century, a lot different than the 21st century. So let me bring you up to speed in a couple of things. First of all, when it came to Marriages, relationships between husbands and wives. Here was there were, there were two footprints that really weren't too far apart. In the Jewish world, a wife belonged to her husband. He owned her, right? She was his possession. A wife in the Jewish world could only divorce her husband for two reasons. One, if he contracted leprosy. Or two, he became an apostate. He just stopped being Jewish and became something else. If one of those two things happened, a Jewish wife had the right to divorce her husband. Besides that, she was his. And he could do with her as he saw fit. The Greek world wasn't a whole lot different. In the Greek world, which would have been the Roman world as well, wives were seen as as a necessity to raise families. So your wife was there, the wife was there to bear children and to raise them and to manage the household. In the Greek and Roman world, a woman would not eat meals with the male members of the family. So all the men would gather and eat together, even little boys, and the women would be separated off and they would not eat with the men. And and again, it it was a very rough world for that. Now, when you look at slavery, slavery was was it was prevalent on the streets of Rome on any given day. Two thirds of the people that you would have seen working walking around would have been slaves. Whether they were there as cooks, whether they were they were tutors for the kids, whether they were theirs were the people who, who t- cooked, you know fixed the villas and all that kind of stuff. The, 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 whether they were skilled craftsmen or whatever, they were slaves. Two-thirds of the ancient world functioned that way. Some of it was, you know, doing, doing homes was a lot different back then, right? We, you know, I love it. I can take a healthy choice, yeah, but I can take a healthy choice out of the freezer. I can stick it in the microwave here when I'm for lunch, and I can have lunch in four minutes. That didn't happen in the ancient world. You know, it, it's changed a little bit in Rwanda, but when we first went there, it, it, they, they had to cook everything over an open fire. It would take an hour and a half to two hours to make a meal for at night. So, you know, you're doing that three times a day. That's six to eight hours. I mean, how, how do you do that and work any other kind of job? So what you did is you got, they get somebody in who, who, who serves in that capacity in the household. In the ancient world, they just had slaves, right? And so why didn't God just come out and say, you know, this is just wrong? And, and it is wrong. And I believe God views it as wrong. I think there's a lot in here where, that that if 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 he was to, the main issue was the gospel, not slavery. Didn't mean that God hated, didn't hate slavery. The main thing was creating an avenue for the gospel to go out to everybody. And and I think, and I love the way one of the commentators put it, is that the teachings of the New Testament, it's like if you if you looked at slavery and this inequality of gender, it. it it, 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 as, as a big oak tree, it like stripped all the bark off and cut all the big roots so it would slowly just die, right? And you see some of that beginning to emerge already in our text before you get here where you look at verse 11, you know, of chapter 3. It says, you know what, in Christ, there's no Jew or Greek. There's no circumcision or uncircumcision. There's no barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but, it, but it's all in Christ. Right, we're all equal. Galatians 3:28 puts it even more clearly. It says, you know, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since we're all one in Jesus. Right? You can just see the bark being pulled back. Right? You can see the the, um, the axe being dropped, and on the roots, and and he's just he's just cutting the underpinning of these awful institutions out from underneath it. And with time, the good news of the gospel, and the fact that we all are equal in the eyes of God, leads to the tree dying and and collapsing. I think for us here in the 21st century, when we need to look back, we need to appreciate the revolutionary ideas that God was revealing through the Apostle Paul's pen. And the very first of one of those was the idea of mutual obligation. That's not the way the ancient world worked. I'm the master, I'm the husband, I'm the father. I have rights. All the rest of you have duties to me. I have no obligation to you, you have obligation to me. God steps in to the Apostle Paul and says, yeah, you know, wives, you've, you've got an obligation to your, parent, your, your husband, but husbands, you have an obligation to your wife. What? They wouldn't have thought that right in the greek world men found their companionship and their physical intimacy with people other than their wives and they only had their wives for raising children no 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 you have an obligation to love them right same with parents right so this idea of mutual obligation fathers you 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 have an obligation not to destroy your children but to build them up right you have an obligation to them the second thing that's really cool that comes out in this, is he doesn't focus on rights. And that doesn't mean to say we don't have rights. We do have rights. What he focuses is on responsibilities. He said this, you know, you ever heard the phrase, you can't change others, you can only change yourself? Well, if we emphasize rights, right, we may get, but but if people aren't going to respect our rights, what that's not going to, that's not going to matter, right? So what he says is, you know what, he focuses on what we are responsible to do. Wives, this is what you're gonna do. Husbands, this is what you're gonna do. Parents, this is what you're gonna do. Children, this is what you're gonna do. Slaves, this is what you're gonna do. Masters, what you're going to do. he focuses in on their responsibilities. Again, huge change. And then he does this. He talks about the invasiveness of Christ. You ever heard the phrase back when you were, were dating or, or are dating, having a third wheel or a fifth wheel along, right? You know, you're out on a date and it's, it's you and, you know, for me, it'd be me and Christina and then, and then my sister is with us or my brother is with us or our friend's with us, right? It's like having a third wheel along. What Paul says, you know what? There's always a third wheel along. Guess what his name is. Jesus, right? Jesus, you know what? You, 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 in your relationship with your spouse, in your relationship with your children, in your relationship between employer and employee, as a worker or, 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 or an employer, whether you're a master or slave, Jesus is there, right? You're accountable, verse one, you're right? You're accountable to all of this. And, and so he lays all of this out before them. And so he just, th- these are radical ideas that are eating away. But then he gets very specific. He says, listen, the best way for you to tell if you're wearing your new suit well is to look at how you treat those who are part of your primary life circle. And that would have been spouses, children, and then master-slave relationships. And that's what he deals with here. And in the few minutes that we have left, I want to draw out some principles I think that apply to all of us when it comes to this idea of what is it that 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 you know if we're going to live well in the new attire that God has given us in Jesus Christ if we're going to put off the old and put on the new the best place for us to look at how that's working out is to see how we're doing in our primary relationships of our family unit and those that we work with every day so and, and here's what that outfit looks like. The first is, is that Christ is first in our marriages. Christ is first in our marriages. Let, let me read these verses again. It says, Wives, submit to your, to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives. And don't be bitter towards them. Now, this word submit that's here, which seems to get a lot of attention these days, right? You know, and, and you know, it's occasionally I'll do a wedding, and they're like, are we going to really use that word? You know, that kind of thing. And, and, but um, it, it's a, the word submit is a good English translation of the Greek word. But the spirit or the tone of it, it, it's not necessarily reflected in the word submit. Because we have the idea of, you know, like a, a pro wrestling match, right? You know, where you're getting, trying to get the guy to submit, right? You you beat the stew out of him until he just got to pound the canvas three times. So he can. That's not what he's talking about, right? This word submit is, actually, it comes out a lot more, I think, from the, a passage in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And this should come up in the screen for you to see. It says, you know... I think this is trying to work it out. It's much more the idea of honor, to be loyal to, to be respectful of, you know, to to, to, to want to it says, you know, Romans twelve ten says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. And I love this next friend. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. Right? And, and and I think that's very much the spirit here. When he says, Wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord and Husbands, love your wives, and don't be bitter against them. What he's saying says, I want you guys to try to outdo one another in showing honor to one another. And so I call this the go-first principle. And what I mean by this is that when I think about my relationship with Christina, right, when there's a moment where somebody needs to forgive, or there's a moment where somebody needs to sacrifice, or there's a moment where somebody needs to trust, or there's a moment where somebody needs to change, and you can run right on down the line, right? I need to be in a position where I'm saying, I'm willing to go first. I'm ready to be the first one who forgives, I'm being ready to be the first one who changes, I'm ready to be the first one who sacrifices, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready to be the first one who gives, and you can run right on down the line, whatever word you want to put in, You're, I'm willing to go first! Right, that's the principle. Outdo one another, right, in showing honor, deferring to one another, and and then she's under the same responsibility before God to do the same towards me, and it's this principle of going first, right, and 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 man, think about think about a relationship where each partner is committed to. To trying to go first before the other. What's that going to be like, right? Sign me up, right? It's going to be wonderful. And that's what the principle he's talking about here. Man, if you're going to put on this new suit and you're, going to, and you're going to wear it well, it means that when you're in your home with a person who is now a part of who you are because you're one, you're, you're going to wear this in such a way to say, you know what, let me do that for you. Let me do that for you. Let me do that for you. And it's going to be going both ways. And that's the way it works itself out. Powerful stuff, this go first principle, when we put Christ first in our marriages. But then he says also Christ is first in our families. Right? And he's talking about parents and children. He's saying, parents, you know, you need to, children, you need to obey your parents. Because that's right in the Lord. Why is it right? Because children need to be developed, right? They need to be taught. They need to learn, right? And so the best place to do that is from your parents. That's the way God's designed it. So parents, and he uses the word fathers here because they would have had all the authority back then, right? So, but he, he really, parents, you need to be looking at it where you're not trying to exasperate your children. Like your role can't have anything to do to break them down. Your role needs to be about bringing them up. And there's all kinds of principles related to, you know, just kingdom things about like discipleship and mentoring and passing the truth from one generation to another. All of these are kind of focusing in. But what he's really saying is that as a, as a family unit, I need to be willing to be a godly influence to everybody who's in that, in that arena with me. And as children, specifically, we need to be open to the godly influence that our parents are, doing, are, are, are responsible to play in our lives. And so it's this whole idea of influence, of, of godly influence, of passing from one generation to the next. And he's saying, you know, listen, God set it up like this to bless you. Again, it's this idea of going first. Fathers, it's not about what you want or what you need. It's what you need to give to your children. Children, it's not about what you want, but it's what you need to get. From God through your parents. God set it up to be a moment of success, of victory, of blessing. And so we need to be open to that godly influence in our lives. And then we have the last one where he talks about slaves and masters. And I, I love it. I mean, I, the way we, we, need to, we need to put Christ first in our work, right? Christ first in our work. Whether we're the boss, or whether we're the low man in the totem pole, we need to put Christ first in our work. And the principle that comes out is we need to be God-focused, God-centered employees or employers, right? The it, image it, it, You know what, when you're working, you know, when the boss is around, you're going, as soon as he's gone, it's like, eh. You know, like a lot of us are working remotely, right? You leave the computer on, you turn the camera off, some of us are doing school right at home, right? Mute, mute, we mute it. We turn the video off. Yeah, I'm in class, but you're off somewhere else. You know, getting to. Because you know, nobody knows, right? It's only when it matters I want to look like I really showed up, right? That's being a people pleaser. No, 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 no. You're, you're, Jesus is always in the room. Right? And he's the one that you're trying to impress. So whether you're the low man, the apprentice at the job, or whether you're the employer or the owner, he said, you're in the same boat. You're doing all of this before God. And, and, and therefore, we need to be God-centered employees and employers in our work. That's what it means to have a Christ first in our work again, those are real quick kind of things that come out of this, but all of this is the outcome. So, Man, that's really hard. I don't want to do that. You know, I don't know if my spouse would in, you know, that kind of stuff. My kids, you don't know my kids. You know, we got all, this, we got all these reasons. He says, listen, you can do it because you got a new suit that's always in season, always in style to stand in the presence of God and have everything that flows from that in the way we live out in our lives. So here's my questions for us today as we wrap up. First of all, which suit, what clothes are you wearing? Are you still wearing the old stuff? And like my grandmother, you spent 30 months trying to get the last of the stains out with West Oil. Anybody use West Oil anymore? Anyway, it's a distraction. Are you still wearing the old clothes, trying to do it yourself, be good enough to God? Or are you wearing through faith in Christ, the tailored suit that he's given you that always is appropriate in the presence of God. And if you're not wearing the new clothes yet, my invitation to you today is by asking for forgiveness in the name of Christ and placing your faith in him to put on the new self, to put on the new suit, and to take that step today. If you're, if you're say, you know what, I have no doubts I've done that, here's my question to you is, Look at your primary relationships at home, with your family, and where you work, and ask yourself the question how well are you wearing the new clothes that you have in Christ? Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word today. You know, I, again, there's a lot here, a lot more that we can say. I, I acknowledge that there, there are difficult moments besides some of these points. Some of us are in hard marriages. Some of us are in, have, have extraordinary situations with our children or with siblings. Some of us, the places where we work are very challenging. God, but all that notwithstanding, we are grateful for the new people that we can be in Christ and that we are empowered and equipped to be able to live and wear these new clothes that you've given us well. If you're not wearing the new self that God's providing in Jesus Christ, take this moment to invite him, invite Christ into your life through asking for forgiveness in his name and placing your faith in him. The Holy Spirit has brought some aspect of how you need to wear these this, the new suit the new self better in your primary relationships make a commitment right now to do that whatever the Holy Spirit's shown you maybe it's the way you talk to your kids or talk to your spouse maybe it's something you've been harboring and holding on to whatever it might be I ask you right now to make a commitment to deal with it in a way that's fitting with the new self that you have in Christ. Father, above all, above all, we want to serve the Lord from our hearts. We pray that you'd help us in doing that and we commit ourselves to doing that today.